Well, we want to welcome you to Community Church. Those of you that this is your home church, we love you so much. And today, we know we have visitors. We're excited you're with us. And our prayer this morning is that the hand of God would touch you in a special way. But what we're here for today, even more than that, is to honor him, to praise him. Because in the midst of so much uncertainty, he is our certainty. He is the one that will cover us. He is the one that will protect us. He is the one who will guide us in every choice, decision that we make. He is our God. Amen. Amen. So this morning as we continue to worship, I pray God would touch you all in Jesus' name. But more than that, that we would reach up and love our King. Just as we continue to sing this, don't just enjoy the song. There is a presence of God that's brooding over us right now. This is a day for spiritual breakthrough. This is a day for deliverance. This is a day to turn a page in the chapters of your life. This is a day for a new page. Come on. This, whatever's held you back in the past, some of those things are about to break because he's working. He never stops working. He's working. Come on, reach up, reach up, reach up with your heart. He wants to freely give us the kingdom. We just have to believe. Lord, release the power of your Holy Spirit today. Lord, release the divine enabler. Release the empowering. More. More. These moments are divine moments. These are moments that we can participate in the hastening, the quickening, the speeding up of the agenda of God. It talks in the New Testament about hastening the day. Hastening the day, quickening, bringing it to pass. We are not pawns in this thing. There's a reason why God has called us to participate. It says even in the Old Testament, it says, Let let the redeemed say so. Let the redeemed say. So when we are entering this realm of God, God is wanting to open up a prophetic word, a prophetic scroll, Things hidden from before the foundation of the earth. What does it look like? What does the generation of God look like? What does the generation of Jacob look like? Father, we prophesy a generation like no other generation. We say, Father, we want to be a part of the generation that seeks your face. Oh, God. Oh, God, we don't want to seek you just for what you can do for us. We want to be a part of that generation that lays hold of who you are. There is coming dread warriors. There is coming glorious ones. There is coming. There is rising a generation of mature saints. Earlier in the prayer, I began to see this. We celebrate in church history these revivalists. 
we point back to that one or those two or that half a dozen people down through church history who made these amazing, amazing, amazing contributions. And there were one or two or five in their generation that stood out. But I believe with each generation that's coming closer and closer and closer to the return of Jesus. It's not going to be just one like in Jesus' day. It's not just going to be 12 like the 12 apostles. It's not just going to be 20 or 30 revivalists. As we come to the final move of God, it's going to be because there are literally thousands, tens of thousands, tens of thousands, I prophesy tens of thousands, tens of thousands of mature sons and daughters. Lord, we say, let the redeemed say so. I will be in that generation. Come on, prophesy to yourself. I will be one. I will be one of 10,000. I will be one of 20,000. Let the generation that you prophesied would come to the earth, would rise. The generation of Jacob, Father, unveil them. Now, we're not just singing songs. We're speaking to our destiny. Who are you? Who is it God has called you to do? I want you to begin to speak it out. I want you to think about what the enemy has been doing in your life when he's trying to bring sin, when he's trying to bring jealousy or brokenness or fallenness of some kind. I want you to declare who you are called to be, who God says you are. I am a son. I am a daughter. I am an overcomer. I am filled with the Spirit of God. I am destined to be a priest to the Most High God. I am called after the order of Melchizedek. I am called to walk in resurrection life. You know, there are voices that are always trying to tell you who you are. We are being surrounded by a generation whose, whose future identity is being defined by lies. In the name of Jesus, we are here to break those lies. You have to break those lies off of your life. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. When God made you male, that was not an accident. When God made you female, that is not an accident. Your biology is not an accident. The voice that says there's something wrong with you is not your friend. Father, in the name of Jesus. We align ourselves to our divine destiny. We say, Lord, you, we will obey who you say that we are. We will obey who you say. Who you say. Do you notice how intimidated some of you felt? That's a spirit. That's a spirit in the air. When Jesus began his ministry, he was in the river, and a dove fell on him, and God spoke over him three different times. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God wants you to hear his voice, and then he wants you to repeat what you are. I'm telling you, this is not incidental. 
This is not some crazy little fad. This, your tongue will set your identity. What is it that's biting at your heels? What is it that's trying to say, well, you're an, you're an addict. You're an alcoholic. You're, you're, you're a reprobate. You're a thief. You're, you are fallen in this way, and you will never get up. You will never change. No, I am called to better things. There is a holy seed. I have been born again. I have the nature of the Son of God inside of me, and I'm going to feed that seed. I'm going to feed that seed. I'm going to speak what he said I am. So, Father, today we break off every lie. We break off every, everything from our generations, even, even the, the fall, fallenness of our history, the iniquity of our families that says you will die this way, just like your dad, just like your grandfather, just like your grandfather's father. That, those voices... They're already telling you how you're going to live. They're telling you how you're going to die. They're going to tell you where you live. They're going to tell you how you act. You've got to decide to say no. Peter writes, he says, Do not allow yourself to be conformed to the lusts of this world. They come to shape you. Spirits of darkness are coming to try to shape you into their image. I will not have it. This is a warfare of light and darkness. Oh. So I saw a picture earlier in pre-service prayer. Didn't know what it meant until we got here. I saw the circuit breaker in my house. Picture the circuit breaker in your house, the panel. And the Father is saying, come with me to your panel. There's some circuits that need to be tripped and shut down. But there's some other ones that need to be turned on. Beside each circuit, there's a label. And he's asking you, which ones would you like to turn on? Which ones would you like to turn off? We've entered a moment where he's engaging with you going, we could break cycles now. We can break cycles in your life, cycles in your family tree. We can shut them off. And there's things that he's whispered into your spirit over the years about who you are, what you are called to do. And you've never seen the power come on. And you've begun to wonder, is this even real? Come to the panel. Right now, in the name of Jesus, come to the panel. Dare to believe. What could you shut off in this moment? What could you turn on in this moment? Father, I pray for a release of faith for this people to come to the panel, to know what you're saying and say, God, I dare to believe. I dare to believe for power. I dare to believe for the gifts of the Spirit. I dare to believe for curses to be broken. I dare to believe for cyclical sin to be broken and shut down in Jesus' name. Father, we, we say today, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Beginning in our lives right here. Father, I pray this morning that our eyes would be opened to the majesty, to the power, to the glory of what it is you put inside of us when we became born again. Father, today we want to magnify the amazing deposit of God in our lives. Thank you, Lord. So what have we been talking about for the last number of weeks? 
Yeah, peacemakers. Peacemakers. Because according to the Bible, being a peacemaker is synonymous with being a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called children of the Most High, sons of God, the offspring of God, his progeny. God is creating people who have the capacity to manifest peace. Why? Because peace is the cornerstone of the kingdom of God. Peace is a substance. It's not a condition. Right? It's not a condition. It's not the absence of war, the absence of shooting, the absence of fighting, the absence of arguing. Peace produces the condition where there's an absence of those things, but it is a commodity. And so God is trying to make us, to align us with the commodity that is peace, which is central to who he is. It's one of those key things. That's why it says of the increase of peace there and of the increase of his government, there will be no end. So if you want to track where we are in the history of the nations, of the peoples, of the civilizations of the world, try and track the peace. And maybe there's some data out there doing that. I don't know. But uh, praise God. You know, it used to be, and we, we don't realize how much peace we have, but it used to be that cities and villages warred continuously against one another. The idea that it was better in the past? Lie. All right? Lie. It's never been better than it is today. The sum total of things. Now, it might be worse in one piece of geography than it ever has been there, but the sum total of peace in the earth is greater than it's ever been. The sum total of the knowledge of God that is presently available to us has never been higher. Never been. So, uh, anyway, I want to talk about this idea again, but I want to I shift it a little bit up. I talked last week, I mentioned this scripture, and maybe last week, maybe last, I don't know, I talked about this five or six times, but I was looking in James so I had this sense this morning that I wanted to talk about James again. I love James, the book of James, right? Somebody corrected me. It's not the Apostle James, John's brother, but it's the Lord's brother, James. So basically, we're going to talk about wisdom for a second. I always use this when I talk about wisdom because wisdom is one of those words that can mean so many different things to so many different people. And yet it says, Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. Righteousness, right? So Jesus, I mean, wisdom is not just a, a piece of knowledge or information that you use in a particular way. It, it, it can be that. That can be an expression of wisdom. But wisdom is much broader than that. I call wisdom the knowledge of causes. Wisdom is the knowledge of causes. It enables you to see that if I do A, B, and C, D will become inevitable in my life, Right? If, you know, it's kind of wisdom. Wisdom is like, if I keep living this way, I'm going to end up here. If I take this path in life, I'm going to end up there. If I don't do this, this is what's going to happen. The knowledge of causes. Without the knowledge of causes, everything's accidental. I don't know what happened. I'm here, you know, as I, I saw this actually on a movie, and I t- I've talked about, not a movie, it's a show on debt do us part or something like that. It's this couple in Toronto. They're making huge money. They're making, you know, six figures each, right? Six figures each. Husband and wife, no kids. And they're, they're in complete debt. 
They're drowning in debt. They're about to lose their home, everything. And they're like, we don't know how this happened. <laughs> we make good money, but, you know, there's, there's never enough. We don't know how this happened. Well, the lady who come in, she was gracious, let me tell you. What do you mean you don't know what happened? You know, two plus two is four. If you make, if you make $6 and you spend 10 every month, yeah, it, the knowledge of causes. Everybody wants to separate themselves from the circumstances. We want it all to be a mystery. That way we're not responsible. Yeah, we don't, this, is a, this must be an act of God. This must be divine intervention. This must be things beyond my control because clearly I'm a good person and I can't be responsible. But God has so constructed the world, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of darkness, everything we know. This is, this is the beauty. God wants to give you the knowledge of causes so that you can know if you live this way, you will land up here. If you live this way, you will land up here. The knowledge of causes. So he's writing, James is writing to, to these Christians who are frustrated. So uh, James is addressing people who are frustrated by the lack of progress in their life and they do not understand why their world is unfolding the way it is. These are Christians. And in some cases, maybe, maybe they got saved and somebody told them, oh man, if you get saved, everything is going to be great. My apologies if some evangelist salesperson brought you in on that premise. That's not the gospel. Yeah, there's a promise, but the cost is you don't have to do anything. The cost is everything. The cost is not nothing. The cost is everything. You must lay down your life. But what you get in return is infinitely greater than anything you can imagine. But you have to be willing to lay it all down. Lay down what you think. Lay down what you own. Lay down your dreams. Lay down your expectations. Lay down your definitions of good and evil. Lay down your definitions of equity and fairness and righteousness. Lay down everything and align to him. If you do that, you will get more than you can possibly imagine. In fact, this thing you're going to get cannot be, it's not even worthy to be compared to what you lost. Comparing what you lost with what you're gaining would be almost a sin. That's what Paul said. He said, what I'm gaining, like, look, here's the things that happened to me. He says, I was beaten this many times. I was whipped this many times. I traveled the world. I was hungry. I was cold. I was out there. But, you know, what, 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 what? He said, but all these things, man, they're nothing compared to what I'm getting. I think, well, I haven't experienced any of that hardship. And yet, right, I'm like, oh, this is so unfair. And Paul's saying, well, you're, not, you're obviously not laying enough down then because you're not getting the, the better part of this. So James says, wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone doesn't understand why their wife, life is pouring out as the way it is, it is why, things are, why you're not getting what you're supposed to, ask God for wisdom. But even there, he says, listen, but there's a way that you need to ask God. See, you can't just, well, God, I want wisdom. No, 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 no. Who do you think you're talking to? 
Everything has caveats. Everything, everybody, you know, I get so tired of, of, of pastors and leaders who are catering. I, I understand your confusion and frustration with God. No, I don't. God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't have to apologize for God. He knows best. He has the right answers. And nothing happens to you by accident. And nothing evil that happens to you is by God's design. It's either by the enemy or your own foolishness. We've got to stop this apologizing for God and begging people to continue to be Christians. Come on. He is worthy. He is great. He is honest. He is the just judge of all. He is perfect in every way. He, is, he has everything in his hand that we need, everything necessary for life and godliness. It's all there. It's available, and... And people are sitting back, well, I don't, it's not working for me. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. I, I'm not apologizing about that. You are doing it wrong. Well, show me how I'm doing it wrong. It's not my job. What? What are you here for? Eh, just a pretty face. <laughs> no, listen. I, my approach and what I'm called to do is the same thing that James is doing here. He's setting out uh, like guideposts. Listen, there's a journey out there you need to walk. There, here's some of the guideposts. If you, if you respond to some of these guideposts, you're going to get there. There's actually a perfect plan that God has for you to come into fullness. One of the, one of the great things, one of, the day, one of these days we're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to show us everything we could have done that would have made our life differently. And you've heard me say that before. You know, Kramer from Seinfeld, that was his quote. He said, he said you know, wouldn't it be hell if one day, Jerry, we stood before God and he showed us what we could have made of our lives? The judgment seat of Christ is us standing before our lives and all those moments when we doubted God, when we blamed our mother or our father or our brother or our sister or the circumstances or our sex or our race or whatever it was, God is saying, look it, I had an out for you here. I had a supply for you right here. If you had just grabbed a hold of this, that would have changed everything. If you'd come into this door here, you refused. I asked you five times and so I took you across this journey and you refused to go here and you refused to go in here. You refused to go in here. You refused refused to go in here and I still gave you 10 more chances and you will weep because it will be so obvious that it was obstinate pride rebellion and unbelief that stole from you things you could have been walking in this is the this is what right the righteousness of God is all about when the Bible says seek you first the kingdom of God is righteousness he's saying listen there, there is a perception I can give you about what is right and what is wrong. And he says, it begins with me. I'm right and you're wrong. And most of us, that just, I don't know, it just doesn't rub me the right way. Get used to it. Okay. <laughs> well, that's kind of a pseudo introduction. But uh, I keep getting these things popping up on my uh, Facebook feed. And it's this guy with his amazing, he says, this amazing fitness program. It's an eating and a fitness program. Have you seen it? I mean, have you seen one of the hundreds that are out there? Right? Uh, okay, there's lots of them out there. Fair enough. Right. But, but this guy's making certain guarantees and promises. He's saying, he's saying listen, there's things I... And he's, he's always talking about, oh, there are superfoods. And there are things, you know, that you can't eat. They're permissible. But there's other things if you eat them. But that'll supercharge your metabolism and blah, blah, blah. You'll be shedding the pounds in, in no time. I don't know. I don't know. 
I haven't followed his program. I don't trust him enough, <laughs> right? I don't know if his way is going to work. But, but what if it does? What if he's found the way that I can have a six-foot-two supermodel body? Okay. Maybe not. But let's just say, let's just say, right, that he's found the keys. Man, if you just eat these things and do these things and it's not, you know, just follow this program, you will land in this place. If that were true, that'd be amazing, right? Because then there'd be no more excuses. And we could all have the bodies we want. But anyway, that may or may not be true. I tell you what, James is saying the same thing. The whole book of James is saying, listen, there is a path that God has mapped out for you that if you start to take that path, you will end up in the person of God that you're meant to be. You will end up in a position of victory. You will end up in a position of maturity. You will end up free from sin, free from depression, free from anything that bites at your heels. There is, there, there is a program that God has designed for you. And you're, 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 you don't know why it's not working for you. And chances are you're just doing it wrong. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for his program. That's what he's saying. He's saying, ask God for his program. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there is no person, nobody in this room, nobody in this world, if they will not begin to align their life in the way that wisdom says they should, will come out of every defeating circumstance and difficulty, hereditary darkness that plagues them. Every single one of us has the capacity. We need to begin with that. We need to know that there is a promise of freedom, complete freedom, that we can be free from pain and wounding and hurt and, uh, you know, and all those things. Well, yeah, but... Didn't you say that the pathway through that is to go into that? Yeah, I've, I've said that very thing. I said, you know, to, in order to be resurrected, you had to die. In order, to, in order for rejection to have no more power over you, you have to be rejected. That's the program. Because you can, you can break the power of those things through God's program. So there are superfoods in the kingdom of heaven. That will move your spiritual metabolism into overdrive. Woohoo! I mean, stick around. This is the promise that we have. God wants to give you His superfoods to move your spiritual metabolism into overdrive and so that you can come into the image and picture and perfection of the image of Christ in a very short period of time. How many want that? I believe that part of my personal destiny is to set up some of these road markers. We just did a course, a four-six-week four, course. It was a four-week course turned into a six-week course on personal discipleship. And I've discovered some things because what I discovered in my journey is some of the things that God is after, the knowledge of causes. I've discovered from, from my journey what it was. I mean, the most frustrating thing, right? I had a dad who wasn't very patient and wasn't a good teacher. And so I remember one day coming up to the closet and uh, there's something wrong with the way I'd hung my clothes. But I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, looks good to me. You know, I, I just can't think anything wrong with that. He says, 
And he, he's a very impatient guy. And I mean, he did so many things well, but this thing he not, did not do well. And he said, all right, fix it. I'm thinking, well, where do I start? And he's getting impatient. He's getting mad. He said, fix it. <laughs> I start, you know, fiddling. I, I don't know what I'm looking at here. <laughs> maybe that's how you feel with your spiritual life. <laughs> Right? You know, maybe you feel like the preacher keeps saying, fix it, and you're thinking, mm. <laughs> well, I don't know what to change. Well, it's not, our, it's not our purpose to frustrate you. It's not our purpose to, to hold off the, your deliverance and your freedom like the proverbial carrot before the mule to get you to run in a particular direction. But there are keys This is what you have to begin to believe. This is where it starts right here. There are keys. And there are people not far off from you who know what those keys are. The things that frustrate your life do not have to remain. I mean, a big part of this message here today is to sow that seed in it. To believe that there are answers. And that when people, some people, yeah, there's some people who are just talking and they're a lot of hot air. Okay, that's why you look at lives. That's why you look at, does this person have the ability to love? Does this person have some of the things that I want in my life? I mean, those are the people I've followed. I've looked at people, okay, I, 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 wanna, I, wanna, I want what's in your life. I see something there that I want. They, if they have it, they know how to get it. But, you know, when you're in this place, like the, the Christians that James is talking to, it's like, uh, I don't know. There's something about... There's something about somebody else's idea that lacks authority. When your own mind says, no, just keep doing what you're doing, you're fine. Who's he to say you should pray differently? Who's he to say you should come to church more often? Who's he to say you should open your mouth and say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Just sit there. You're, you're doing fine. I'm not here to force anybody. But I'm telling you, we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. And everything's going to become clear. Everything is going to become clear. I have a vision of a generation of people who come to full maturity. I have a vision. I'm just writing an article about this because years ago, people asked, what's your vision? And I, I, used, I was trying to ask God, you know, give me some kind of program. Give me some kind of Dave Ramsey calling. You know, something I can say, oh, I'm helping people with their money. You know, something that I could just you know, put together in a little package and hand people and, you know, here's three points. This is what I'm about. The Lord never gave that to me because he was waiting. He was waiting to put a vision in my heart. Here's my vision. My vision is for a generation. My vision is for sons and daughters who've come up in the image of God to full maturity and they're able to walk through the sea of darkness and the sea of darkness before them will split open. I'm looking for a generation of people who when when darkness invades like a flood, they will be a beacon of light that repels the darkness and they will be immune. Nothing by any means will hurt them. Have you ever heard that somewhere? Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and nothing will by any means hurt you. That is the promise. Anything less than that 
is you taking into account your strength, you taking into account your family lineage, you taking into account your looks, your, your height, your, your lack of magnetism, your lack of intelligence. Anything else comes from sin. This is what the disciples, I mean, this is what the Israelites did. God said, go in and take it. He said, we can't do that. Of course you can. We can't do that. Of course you can. We can't do that. Okay, don't go then. We're, I'm, I'm not going to go to all the scriptures today, but I, w- I want to throw a couple of things out here. There are some scriptures that say, if you do these things, you shall never fail. If you do these things, First Peter, you shall never stumble. Whoa, 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 whoa. He says, if a man can tame his tongue, he'll be a perfect man. That's just metaphorical stuff, picture, analogy, you know, an analogy just to provoke us to want more. No, it's a real deadline. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real end of this journey. There is an end. Paul says, I'm pushing, I'm pushing towards the mark of the high calling. I don't consider myself to having, have obtained, but I'm pushing towards it. There is a mark. And what some of the apostles realized later on, that something was being held in reserve for another generation. That they had begun a journey that other, the next generation would build on, and then another generation would build on, and another generation would build on. And there's a great cloud of witnesses that are looking at each and every generation saying, Hey, go, you go, you got it, you got this, it's right in front of you. Build on what we've given you, but something else is coming. Something is held in reserve for another generation, but it's about to come. It's about to come. Whatever we need to go that next, next quantum leap forward as, the, as manifestors of the nature of God. It's right at the, on the tip of our fingers. It's right there. And this is the same thing that James was saying. Listen, you are not the victim of circumstances. You are not powerless. You are not stuck. Everything necessary. That's, that's First Peter. Let me read that. Second Peter 1.10. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Paul writes in Corinthians, he said, Love overcomes all. Love never fails. Oh, no, no, no. I was really loving, but it didn't work. Liar? Are you getting tired of being called a liar? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about people on the video. People online. I mean, you know, we just hate coming up. You know, it's like I was, uh, I was taking a test. I'm starting to play pickleball, and I was taking a test, and I, I said to the guy, he said, you know, uh, I did those things, but, you know, I, I think the wind was really bad today. Yeah, sure, buddy. <laughs> no, you're just not good enough to do what I asked you to do. Okay. But the wind was still strong. Yeah, but somebody who's really good knows how to compensate for the wind. Okay. Smarty pants. There's a divine program for your spiritual fitness that is perfect. That if you take that path, nothing will by any means hurt you. I mean, think of the promise of that. 
Oh, we're, all, we're so busy as Christians building up walls and got to stay away from the New Agers and got to stay from, away from that person's a witch and got to stay away from these types of people and these types of people and these types of people and got to say, no, just become what I've given you power to become. And when you become that, nothing will by any means hurt you. In fact, the gates of hell themselves will not be able to prevail against you. That, that means that your power to influence your world, that no one, no matter what their disposition, Position, power, ethnicity, background, type of sin will be able to impede your progress. But you don't understand there's really evil people in my world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, that's why, that's why God was not sympathetic with the prophet when the prophet Jeremiah, I think it was the prophet Jeremiah, I stand to be corrected, who is struggling because of all this opposition and God comes to him with his great comforting motherly style and he says, oh, well, if the footman tired you out, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? <laughs> right? That's God's idea of comfort. So if I do a little bit of that, don't get mad at me. I'm learning from him. Right? I mean, we don't have time for self-pity. We don't have time for woe is me. We don't have time for, for, oh, you don't like me. Get over yourself. Take the course. Enter the race. Run this race. Embrace. Eat what you need to in terms of the Word of God. Take on the truth. Learn to love the truth. You will become an overcomer like something you've never seen before. That's what's available. That's and if, the, if that seems harsh, it's only because we've been raised by doting cowards who tell us, tell us, don't worry, you don't have to go outside, it's dark out there. Just stay right in here. Just stay in your pew, give us your 10% each month, and we'll just keep telling you week by week, this is how you get saved. Oh, you're already saved. Just sit there then. Don't do nothing. That's not the kind of church that God is coming back for. Mm. Okay, I'm just starting just starting <laughs> the the basis of 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 these things and this is this has to do with the wisdom that god is bringing and this is what james is trying to say I mean, I'll, I'll i'll look at james i'll look at some other scriptures but the, this is the essential promise and this is this is what it gives us boldness to say these things the kingdom of god is organic the kingdom of god is based on a system that parallels what we see in the organic world. And the basis of what we see in the organic world is summed up in Genesis, Genesis 1.11. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed, and let the seed that yields fruit according to its own kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. All right, that's a fancy way for saying this. God said, I'm going to make carrot seeds, and when you put carrot seeds in the ground, they're going to magically produce carrots. And when, I'm going to put uh, seeds in the ground, and they're going to come up and bring peas. And when you take the seeds from the pea plant, when it comes to full maturity, and you take those seeds and you put it in the ground, they're not going to produce potatoes or carrots. They're going to produce peas. Every seed produces after its own kind. This is intimately connected with the principle of wisdom, the knowledge of causes. 
the knowledge of causes. Why is this important? Because over and over people say, I don't understand. I never planted any rutabaker, but my garden is full of rutabaker and asparagus. I don't like asparagus. I, I don't like, I, I like broccoli. I like carrots. I like apples. But none of those things are coming up in my garden. I don't understand what happened. I don't understand why this is, well, you, you, maybe you didn't put in rutabaker. I know what rutabaker looks like. Right? It's like, okay then. Enjoy your rutabaker. Maybe you, maybe you put in the wrong seed. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Who are you? All right then. And and this is the this is what we're always up against is that this fruit is produced from people's lives and people say I don't know where that came from. I don't know what happened. We make a lot of money. I don't know why we're in debt. I uh, could it be that you did something wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. There's some other mysterious force at work here that defies all the normal rules. There's no chance we spend more than we made, but somehow we're broke and we're in debt. I don't know. I mean, do we, do we want to live that way? Is that the level of wisdom that we want to arrive at? I just, let me apply this to our current situation. You got all these peaceful protesters out there destroying cities, burning buildings, uh, assaulting people, killing people, raping people. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's absolutely insane. And yet they say, we are for peace. We are peaceful protesters. You will know every tree, Jesus said, by its fruit. And when these people get into a place this why you know when we when we elect politicians who are not for the right things and all of a sudden our cities go to hell in a handbasket we think wow we don't know what happened well did you look at the guy's belief system did you look at what he believed did he support the and empower the individual to work and produce you know for their lives did he did he undergird the principles of growth did he sow the right seeds or did he say, oh, they're there now. Oh, you should never have to go to work against your will. You know, the Bible says, if a man shall not work, he shall not eat. That's so harsh and unloving. Wisdom, the knowledge of causes. If you do this and this and this, you're going to get this. I remember a few years ago, a guy, a former president of the United States, was mocking another would-be president of the United States and said, Oh, he said he's going to bring back all these jobs, all these manufacturing jobs. Yeah, where are they going to come from? (laughs) Mocked this other president who shall remain nameless. And all of a sudden, tens of thousands of jobs, manufacturing jobs are coming back to the U.S. And nobody's replaying that clip that mocked it because the knowledge of causes was not there. There's a reason why economies go this way. There's a reason why cities go this way. There's a reason why people... How did did you produce healthy, emotionally stable children? I don't know. I just kind of threw the dice and hoped it would work. How did you build that prosperous business? I don't know. It just just sort of grew up around us. People just came to us. We didn't even have anything to sell. And they said, will you sell us stuff? Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous in your life? Things that happen, happen for a reason. This is the knowledge of causes. 
And what, what the kingdom of God tells us is that a certain kind of seed will produce a certain kind of outcome. And a certain kind of seed will not produce other kinds of outcomes. That means if you know the seed that you're sowing, you know what the end is from the beginning. I gave the illustration a few few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago. There was a time in my marriage when I was frustrated with this woman. I was I was so I mean she made me mad. She made me mad. But I didn't believe that really because I knew the Lord had already said to me, No, nobody can make you mad. They can only reveal your desire for something other than what they're willing to give you. They can frustrate you, which causes anger, but your anger is your own, Mark. So anyway, so I couldn't take that as far as I would have liked to in those moments. You know how you want to lie to yourself and you don't I got too much truth to lie to myself. I must take responsibility for what I'm feeling. (laughs) So that was a knowledge of causes. That was great. But still, I was thinking, yeah, but she deserves a little little passive aggressiveness. Oh, yeah, you want me to take out the garbage? We'll see if the garbage ever gets taken out. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't want me to put the dishes there? Yeah, I totally forgot. I thought you wanted them under your sheets in the bed. I could have gone that way. But you know what? The knowledge of causes. The knowledge of causes. I just, I just knew that if I do this, I am sowing a seed. When I, whatever I do out of resentment, whatever I do out of anger, whatever I do out of frustration towards her, will not bring a good return. So do you want a good return, Mark, or not? So I wanted to do those things, but I knew it would be unfruitful in the manner I wanted it to be fruitful. So I decided not. The knowledge of causes. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Me and my wife aren't getting along, and now I hate her and she hates me. I don't know how we got here. I'll tell you how. One step at a time. Let's retrace your steps. How do you argue? How do you, how do you deal with disagreements? How do you act towards another? Did you, did you ever say things like this to your wife or husband? All right, it's easy. You ask a counselor. Well, like, you know, I mean, and she's, she's, counselors are nice, right? They're not going to say, what are, you, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> In what world is this going to work? That's, that's how I would counsel. I mean, this is why I don't counsel. Because you have to be willing to throw in a few euphemisms, right? Instead of, you're this, it's like, hmm, that might not have been the best thing, eh? I don't have the patience for that. (laughs) Come on, do you want the truth or not? Chop, chop. (laughs) The knowledge of causes. We don't come to circumstances by accident. We come to them by a series of deliberate decisions. We just may not know specifically that these decisions are leading to these ends. But God is saying, and what James is saying is that God knows. He's saying, listen, ask God for the knowledge of causes so that when you are about to sow a seed, you know what kind of harvest that seed's going to give you. And so that's the premise on which everything that James is about. That's why right at the beginning he says this. He said, listen, the wrath of man 
cannot produce the righteousness of God. Yeah, but you don't understand, James. I'm correct. He said, no. Anything fueled by the wrath of man is another seed. I don't care how right you are. It's not how right you are. It's the seed you're sowing. You're getting your energy to sow the seed by the fact that you're right, but the seed you're sowing is wrath. What's it going to produce? Hmm, I don't know. This is what James is saying. Listen, guys, it's, 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 very, it's basic math. It's ABC. If you do this, it's going to come to this, come to come to this, come to this. If you don't understand that, ask God, he'll show you. But even then, to get that thing from God, you have to ask in the right way. How's that? Ask in faith. Oh, I did ask in faith. Did you get it? No, you're a liar. And that happens all the time in the church. Oh, I asked God for this and he didn't give it to me. Yeah, the Bible has an answer for that. It says God's faithful to do the right thing. And if, though, if you ask, I asked in faith, I asked in faith and he didn't do it. Well, how do you know you asked in faith? Because, who are you anyway? <laughs> so the organic principle is how the, the kingdom of God works. And this is what James is talking about. So, so we know this, right? First Peter one twenty three. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So when you became a born-again Christian, right, how did God cause you to be a Christian? He breathed into you the knowledge of God, it says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, which Peter says it's not just the knowledge of God, it's the seed, the eternal seed of the word of God. That seed, God, everything God does is through seeds. He plants seeds. Seeds come from above and they're planted in the earth. Whatever's planted by God overcomes the world. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world. When, I, when you get born again, I'm putting a seed inside of you. He said, that, the power of that seed is unstoppable as long as you give it room and water it. And that's what the, seed, the parable of the sower is all about. You put that seed in good ground, it's going to produce a hundredfold harvest. And when it doesn't, it's because you did something wrong. It's not the seed's fault. Well, you must have gave me bad seed. I must have, that, that God, God's Walmart store gave me the wrong seeds. All right, so this works. This seed comes in. I'm going to wrap this up really soon. I feel some of you getting impatient. Okay, good. Hallelujah. All right, so there's a, there's a passage here in James. When James is talking about this, he says, he says, uh, he says this. I'll start reading in 13. It says, let no one say he is tempted... When he is tempted, I am tempted by God. So like, don't blame God for this. When you're tempted, no, God didn't do that. God didn't create the circumstances for it. God didn't will it. God didn't design you to sleep with that woman who is not your wife. God didn't do that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires and enticed. Listen to this then. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Look at the next verse. Do not be deceived, my brethren. 
Brothers and sisters, don't lie to yourself. Don't be deceived. I did everything right, but I still ended up, you know, on the wrong side of town in sin with everything broken in my life, but it wasn't me. God is saying, no. I guarantee you, I have the perfect spiritual fitness program for you, and if you follow it, you are guaranteed to come out with a super body, spiritually speaking. He said, listen, there are seeds when planted, the seed of wrath, the seed of the uh, ambition of man, the seed of flattery, the seed of witchcraft, the seed of, of, uh, of jealousy, the seeds of envy, the seeds of I must be right, whatever it is, those seeds will never produce a good harvest. Will never. And so what happens, and this is, I'm pausing for my message, but this is kind of important. Over the course of your life, you start to realize what one seed looks like or feels like as opposed to another. This is what I started to do. I started to, to do things on the kingdom side. I thought, what if I do this? I have this impulse. If I do this, what does that produce? What is the effect on the world around me? And I started watching the effect. And I began, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. People are saying, oh, wow, that was prophetic. That was powerful. That did this to them. That, that caught, I'm going to remember that. That's what that seed felt like. When I had that unction to say that thing, to pray that way, to do that thing, I started realizing there were things in my life that I did that low, had lower effects and things that had higher effects. And the more I experienced things with higher effects, I thought, okay, I don't want this stuff down here. This is low-lying fruit. Okay, it's not bad, but it's like there's better fruit yet to be available. So he came into my life, and he prunes me, and he begins to say, listen, I'm purifying your ability to identify seed. I begin to see that, okay, there's things that I, I was doing that sometimes it could be God. Could, it's not overtly evil, but it's kind of, kind of like a little bit me-centered. And then I did it and didn't produce quite. It was okay, but not great. I thought, I don't want okay. I want divine seed that endures forever. So we are on a journey that begins, we begin to realize what seed is what. We're like a gardener who's never gardened, right? It's like you've got an array of 100,000 different seeds, and they're like, okay, I don't know what any of these do. So what do we do? Let's plant one and see what it produces. And as you see what it produces, you gain a sense, a knowledge, an understanding and if it's something you want to produce, then you, you're going to sow that again. If it's something you don't want to produce, then you don't sow it. That's the life. But some of us keep sowing the same seeds and expecting a different harvest. God is saying, listen, the knowledge of causes is about realizing which seeds come from above and which seeds come from below. That's why he said the wrath of man will never produce the kingdom of God. Never produce the righteousness of God. Never produce anything that God will camp over and call his own. This is the principle. On both sides of the equation, whether for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God is organic. The kingdom of God is organic. Let me finish with this. A couple things. James, this morning I was thinking about these things. I was, I was praying. I was driving, speaking in tongues on the way to church. I was in prayer. 
And I kept having this word, this verse go over, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to talk about James this morning. I'm going to talk about this organic kingdom, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about James 13 to 15, where he talks about sowing the wrong seeds, and it's, not, and it's going to produce uh, death. And, but there's this other verse that kept coming to me. It was, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. And I thought, I need to find out where that is. So I looked it up in the concordance, and guess where it is? But four verses after the other ones. So I think, okay, God's on this. So if you skip down to verse 21 from, uh, from uh, 16, it says this, Therefore, this is where we finished last week. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Say, listen, there are things that burst out of your, your life with unrighteousness and you should by now know that they're unrighteousness because they feel ugly. At their core, they are murderous, they are hateful. They are vengeful, they are angry, they are impatient, they, they loathe people, they're, they look down on people, they're condescending, they're dishonoring. Yeah, don't sow those seeds. That's what he's saying. Stop the overflow of wickedness, but receive with meekness the ingrafted word, which today, you know what the ingrafted word is? There's some seeds that lead to life and there's some seeds that lead to death. The ones that produce death are bad that's the word so do you want bad seeds in your marriage in your business in your family in your children in your life in your community right I mean I totally understand we think well what about when we're talking about politics same thing goes same thing goes it doesn't mean you ignore what's wrong but do you do you do your observations lead you to want to curse somebody or bless them? Well, but my observations are correct. They deserve cursing. No, 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 no. We are planting seeds of a kingdom of life. So you can observe that a person's actions and lifestyle and politics and philosophies are all evil, but if you have a tendency to curse them, your response is not out of the right seed. You're not going to be sowing the right seed if you act on that. Can you, in the meekness of humility, speak about these things, touch on these things? Can your speech be seasoned with salt as opposed to be full of venom because you're right? What if sometimes in the pursuit of what is right, we're sowing the wrong seeds? We want to stop that as well, right, as literally doing the wrong things. But in the, in the parable of the sower, this is what Jesus is saying. He said, listen, this whole thing is about seed. He said, a sower went out to, to sow. That's what sowers do, they sow. Sowers sow. And sowers sow. Matthew thirteen twenty three, and we're going to finish with this. He said, But he received on the good ground is he who bears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, 
some 30. There's a harvest. If you receive the truth, if you receive what is correct in your inward parts, if you today begin to live in a way that says, okay, I can't be perfect today, but I'm going to stop justifying the wrong things. I'm going to stop saying, yeah, well, I wouldn't do this if you didn't do that. When you start saying, no, the buck stops here, I'm going to hold myself accountable to righteousness. I'm going to hold myself accountable to godliness. You're going to notice that there's less out-of-control weeds popping up in the garden of your heart. You're going to find yourself dealing with less resentment in your marriage. You're going to find yourself losing it with less frequency on your neighbors. (laughs) This is the path we're on. The beautiful, reassuring thing is God is saying, listen, you're not a victim. You're not stuck. You are destined for more than this. There's seed that could take you to places you've never been before. I put something in you that's beyond imagination and it's power to produce in you godliness. You just got to be willing to embrace the truth. Let's stand together. Just put your hand on your heart. Just say with me, Father, I received the knowledge of the truth. And I ask for wisdom. God, give me a spirit of wisdom. Give me the knowledge of causes. In Jesus' name. The generation that is coming will embrace this fully and hold themselves accountable to this. Their lives will be great. And their harvest in eternity will be great. Hallelujah.